Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Duval, welcome in to another episode of the Gin Jag podcast. Today, we are going to be breaking down and grading the Jaguars' massive free agency haul. We've got a ton of signings to get through and grade. We've also got some news on free agent visits happening this week for the Jaguars. We're going to look at Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft for the Jags. Um, who does he have the Jaguars picking number one overall? Jeremy, my guy, you had some hot thoughts for us today. How we feeling? What you thinking? What's going on in your yeah, world? Yeah, man, we're doing good. Free agency is here. Hasn't quite gone yet. However, the Jaguars may be done, but excited to talk about all the moves they made over the past week and and get back to talk some Jaguars football with you. Hell yeah. Uh, I may be broadcasting live from the office of my in-laws, but we're here and we are going to do our best to avoid technical difficulties despite um, being in some foreign, uh, foreign territory here when it comes to recording and our equipment. Um, I'm moving this week, so we're just kind of everything's going to be bunkering down. It's going to be foreign to you for a little while. Yeah, I'm bunkering down at the in-laws until we can move into our new house, which should be Friday. So very excited about that. But for now, we're here and we are going to talk some Jags football with y'all for the next hour. So make sure to follow us on Twitter, Jeremy at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And of course, check out genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. All right, so let's jump into some news and then we will grade those free agent signings and kind of dive deeper into them and then talk about Mel Kuyper's mock and your hot thoughts kind of tie into that and just what's going on with that number one overall pick in the Jaguars. But we'll get it kicked off with some news here. Rashawn Evans met with the Jaguars on Monday. Uh, former Titans linebacker, first round pick back in uh, 2018, I believe. He They did not pick up his um, fifth-year option heading into the 2021 season, and then they elected not to re-sign Rashawn Evans, a guy who was a starter at middle linebacker for the Titans for most of his tenure there. Of course, the Titans had um, picked up Zach Cunningham during the middle of the season last year after the Texans released him. And he kind of took over as that starting middle linebacker for the Titans. Of course, the Jaguars could have had Zach Cunningham had they wanted him last year. Now he's starting for the Titans and Rashawn Evans is looking for work. But the Jaguars hosted him on Monday, um, kind of after letting Miles Jack go and signing uh, Foya Luokun, uh and also letting Damian Wilson go. Um, he was not, he was a free agent anyways, but he ended up signing with Carolina. Miles Jack was released. He signed with Pittsburgh. So now they just have a Luikun at off ball linebacker in terms of guys who have a lot of good experience. So Rashawn Evans met with the Jaguars Monday night. Yeah. I mean, not, not a needle moving signing, you know, if it were to be made, right. It's, it's not a guy that we expect to come in here and, and make a huge impact, but there is a little bit of a need at linebacker. I think that they probably look to play him more on the outside again. 
which is where he kind of started with Tennessee. I know they moved him inside. Obviously, there were some deficits there. You know, they brought Zach Cunningham in for a reason. Um, you know, so obviously now Rashad Evans is moving on. So it'd be interesting to see where they place him, you know, if he does sign or where they think that he might fit in this scheme. Um, but I'm not too, you know, I'm not, I'm not too moved by this just yet. I'd, I'd like to see where it, it plays out. I think there are other needs, um, obviously, and, and some bigger names still out there that they should spend that money on. So we'll see. Yeah, and this could be a meeting where you kind of just get some more information on the guy and if the draft doesn't go your way or you're not able to land someone else that you like at linebacker maybe you circle back to Evans because there's no news on that front in terms of a signing being imminent that we've heard Um, then the Jaguars Mike Garofolo reports were meeting with Arden Key today I think that's a little bit more of an interesting uh, potential signing there a a former highly touted recruit went to LSU kind of didn't live up to the expectations there ended up being a third round pick of the Raiders was unable to live up to expectations there uh, even though they might have been uh, not great expectations being a third round pick he still only registered three sacks in three seasons with the Raiders and just kind of had a very lackluster career there gets over to San Francisco and uh, they kind of kick him inside on some pass rush downs. He's able to dominate from a three technique interior penetration type of role uh, at times, even being in a rotational role there uh, for the 49ers. And he got six and a half sacks in 2021, his career high by a mile. And so this isn't a guy that's going to come in, in my opinion, if you sign him and be, you know, the long-term starter next to or opposite Josh Allen or anything like that. But can he come in and carve out a role for the Jaguars, um, add another pass rush specialist to go along with DeWan Smoot to, to create more of a rotation and to get more talent on that defensive line. I think that could be helpful for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This, this signing is much, much more, uh, not signing, but a potential signing, right? They're, they're talking to him. It's much more intriguing for me. Um, you know, 6'5", big, long, um, you know, not necessarily um, an, an interior guy, right? He's going to try to help get some pressure uh, on there, um, but definitely a guy that you might want to pair on the other side of Josh Allen. And I think it's it's obviously something that I mentioned in my hot thoughts and something that we're going to discuss a little bit later when we talk about certain things like Aiden Hutchinson, the number one overall pick and stuff like that. But definitely an intriguing visit, something that the Jaguars should, should very seriously try to, I think, uh, solidify within the coming days. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it at all. The Jaguars did sign kicker Ryan Santoso. And I mean, forget the stats. Who cares? This guy is just a vibe. I don't know if you were able to see any of the pictures of that mustache, that swag looking back at the camera, but this guy seems like he certainly has a personality. Yeah, personality for sure. I, I don't know who he is. Never heard him before this, but uh, he's a freaking tank. A 6'5", like 260 for a kicker. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely. Right, it's absolutely insane. So I thought that was interesting. Who knows? I, a guy that big has to have a big leg, you would think, right? So maybe he's just a big leg. He he does have a big leg, and so it is an interesting dichotomy between him and Matthew Wright. Who Matthew Wright? When you go back and look at it, twenty one of twenty four uh, for the Jaguars in twenty twenty one. 
He did miss two extra points on only eight tries, I believe, which obviously is not a great percentage. But his field goal percentage was good. He made game-winning kick for the Jaguars uh, against the Dolphins, obviously, in London. And he's a guy that kind of showed improvement throughout the year. I don't think you would want to go into the season with Matthew Wright as your only kicker. So you bring in Santoso, who does have a big leg. He's kind of been a kickoff specialist for the most part throughout his young career. Uh, he did make four of five field goal attempts, I believe, last season, which was his first opportunity in the NFL to kick during the regular season, or at least kick field goals. So interesting guy for sure. Six foot five, two sixty, great mustache, booming leg. I mean, he uh, he hit touchbacks on the vast majority of those kickoffs. So. It's kind of the opposite when you look at Matt Wright, who struggled to get the ball in the end zone on kickoffs. Maybe you see which one can find the better balance between making kicks and kicking off. Uh, and I wouldn't blame them for bringing in some rookie competition as well. I think it's even funnier that the Jaguars only scored eight touchdowns to give Matthew Wright eight extra point opportunities, at least when he was kicking, right? Obviously, not for the whole season, yeah. but... You dropping that number in there, which I had no clue about beforehand. You know, it, it's kicker stats. Who who cares? Who knows? A lot of field goals. Eight though. Eight extra points. Mm-hmm. That's just laughable. Eight, and how? What he? So he was our full time kickers. Okay. Uh, Lambo was cut. Oh, you know what? I apologize. He was thirteen of fifteen. Okay. S- still. Still only 86.7 from extra point is not great. And still 15 touchdowns. Not (laughs) It's only 15 touchdowns. (laughs) So no matter how you slice it. Yeah, that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You didn't think it could get any worse. You know, it's bad when you're finding out how bad your team is through like your kicker stats. You know, you're going to look at that, get some numbers and you're like, damn, they only scored 15 touchdowns. Horrendous. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll see. This dude's funny looking though. Not a bad way. He's just yeah. he look like you said. He looks like a vibe. I mean, like I, I feel like you can go out there and just chug a couple beers with this guy, do a couple keg stands, and he probably turns around and boots a sixty yarder. Exactly. I'm all down for it. That's who you want as right? your kicker. Let's yeah. be honest. So uh, Laquan Treadwell returns, wide receiver, uh, former first round pick of the Vikings in 2016, was not able to establish himself in Minnesota as a long-term starter, obviously. Uh, he he bounced around a little bit after that, wound up in Atlanta last year in 2020, that is, and played a little bit for them, but was mostly just on their practice squad. And then in Jacksonville, he signs uh, in June of 2021 after there's some injuries at receiver, DJ Chark goes down, and then – doesn't make the 53-man roster, but did make a strong impression throughout training camp and uh, signed on to the practice squad. Injuries continued to plague the Jaguars. DJ Chark went down with the ankle injury long-term, so he gets the opportunity, uh, Laquan Treadwell does, to come in and play a lot of meaningful football. And there were times last year, especially down the stretch, when he was the Jaguars' most reliable Receiver. That's obviously a scary thought to think about considering the guy couldn't even stick around on a team, much less become a starter. Uh, And then he is, you know, Trevor Lawrence's most trusted target down the stretch. But he's a guy I really like his personality, his perseverance. Instead of hanging his head low as a someone who had high expectations coming into the league, he has a really positive personality, kind of uplifting type of guy. And 
look down the stretch. Last three games of the season for Trevor Lawrence and for Laquan Treadwell, he caught four passes on five targets in week 15. Six passes on six targets for 87 yards in uh, week 16. And then in, in the final game of the season, he was able to score a touchdown to help the Jaguars take down the Colts and eliminate them from the playoff contention. So it's interesting here with Laquan Treadwell. I don't think he's a needle mover. I think he is a guy that if he's at the bottom of your roster at receiver, you can feel decent about that. But let's not forget where he was just a year ago. Agreed. You know, he he was definitely bouncing around the league. But, you know, I'm all for guys bouncing around and, and finding that place eventually. It just never seems to happen for the Jaguars, right? It goes one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Our guys usually leave, bounce around, and find a place and become stars. Um, or, you know, they come to us. It doesn't happen uh, the latter very often. The last time I think something like that really happened was probably Jimmy Smith, truthfully, right? Bounced around, wasn't drafted by the Jaguars, came to the Jaguars, and was a star. I'm not saying Laquan Treadwell is Jimmy Smith or, or is even going to remotely you know, become Jimmy Smith, but the fact of the matter is 6'2", 6'3", right? Bigger body receiver, big frame, you know, has shown the ability to go up and catch the ball, was actually very highly touted coming out of college, had shown some of those skills, some of those things that you look for in a receiver like that, just never really able to manifest it on the field. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to, you know, catch up to the game or, you know, to kind of grow into the game, mature into the game. When you get to, to the NFL, man, it, it's men, right? These are men playing a game. And, and sometimes it takes you a year or two to mature into that body and become a man yourself playing in this league. So, I'm obviously just you know manifesting and hoping that's what it comes to, but like you said, not a uh, a needle moving signing, um, but does offer at least something you know something for Trevor in regards of being that safety valve towards the end of the year last year. Everything else that was going on, being the season leading up, you know, through the season, it was obviously very hard for anybody to find any sort of production or consistent playing. I'm not making any excuses for that, but unlike some of the other guys who either regressed throughout the season or consistently had issues throughout the season, Laquan Treadwell started to improve. And I think really kind of carved out a spot for himself on this team, you know, coming into this year. And I said it in week 18 of last year when they were playing the Colts, he was slowly making a roster spot for himself, but numbers, you know, are starting to thin, especially in that receiver room. There's only so many spots you can have. The Jaguars applying that money to a guy for this upcoming year makes me think that he's definitely going to be on the roster, and I think they can move with him going forward. So we'll just see kind of where he fits in in regards to that. The Jaguars still need an outside guy, still need a mandatory X, you know, somebody who's going to specifically line up and play that position uh, for the majority of the snaps. Could he be that guy? Maybe. I think he could be productive, um, but he's not a number one, right? He's not a guy that you can just have out there. He's not going to change the game. You still need to build around him, which is what we've been saying about the wide receiver room as a whole, right? There's a couple of nice pieces in there, twos and threes that maybe, you know, in a system can be guys that are racking up big numbers, but you have to have enough help around them to open up those opportunities. And that's the same thing with Laquan Treadwell. We're not quite there yet. Yeah. I love Laquan's story. And like I said, his personality, his vibe he gives off, but I'm not calling for this guy to be in the starting lineup. If he is in your starting lineup and you're a Jaguars fan, something has gone terribly wrong in 2020 in the 2022 offseason. Um, look, 
he's got some skills, like you said. He's got the ability to go up and get the ball, kind of be a big-bodied guy, but he does not get the job done with his athleticism at all, in my opinion. I just don't think he's consistent enough to be a starter. But if he's your fifth or sixth receiver on your depth chart, I think you can feel good about that. Uh, moving forward and you said you think he's going to be a lock to make the roster i do not i think uh there's a chance a good chance he makes the team but on a one-year deal uh, i would not be shocked if he doesn't ultimately make the team and that would obviously be if the jaguars bring in a couple of receivers in the draft or maybe even more than that Uh, but i do like laquan treadwell i like bringing him back he's a good culture guy you need guys like that on your team and in your locker room. But now it's time for us to talk about the big time free agent signings that the Jaguars made last week. Seven of them, uh, seven kind of big money deals for some incoming free agents that the Jaguars made. I think we'd be remiss if we did not start off with Christian Kirk wide receiver from the Phoenix Cardinals, if you asked Urban Meyer. No, from the Arizona Cardinals. Four years, $72 million, $37 million guaranteed. Where do you stand on the signing of Christian Kirk? Are we looking to give letter grades here, or are we kind of just going on the on the women? Oh, yeah. I'm you want grades. grades. All right. Well, we'll, 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 give, we'll give you sure I'll, I'll give it a C plus. But you don't need to start out with okay, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, okay, I'll give it a C plus. Um, you know, and, and yeah, Christian Kirk is – He's just a guy right now. They gave a lot of money to just a guy, but you know we understand when you are in this predicament and you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and you have won 40 games in the last decade. I think it's 41 to be specific. 41 games in the last 10 years. You have to overpay. You have to go make this a uh, you know a, a a lucrative and attractive destination for these free agents. And really, the only way to do that is with money, right? What are you offering that? Other NFL teams can't offer. Currently, the only thing that the Jaguars can do is offer money. So, really, the money is is one of the bigger parts of things. Obviously, I know we're going to get down into the the actual specifics of the contract, and you know, I know that's two years. With, with really, it's two years with with the guaranteed money, and after that, everything's pretty much year by year. I get that, but he's not a guy who's going to reshape the offense he's a guy who still needs some pieces around him for him to truly be effective so as it stands right now it's just a c plus signing he's a guy that's going to give trevor another reliable target has done more in this league than most of the receivers on our roster currently but again not a number one not a guy who's going to change things for you as it stands right now yeah so i've thought about this signing a lot i think it's the most interesting one that they made to be completely honest in terms of the money, the expectations, uh, what this player has done in the past. Look, Christian Kirk, for the first time in his career in 2021, was allowed to operate primarily from the slot. And honestly, he had a fantastic season. 77% catch rate on over 100 targets. I mean, that is efficient. But he's not only efficient. He's got speed. I mean, he's got speed to burn. He is incredibly quick in and out of his routes. I think he's going to be a guy for the Jaguars who, as long as they utilize him properly, which in my opinion is as a vertical slot threat that can also move outside and move around the formation, but primarily aligning as that vertical slot threat that Trevor can just kind of 
utilized to get chunk plays down the field. I think they're going to pay dividends. This is going to pay dividends for them. And so from purely a football perspective, I love the addition of Christian Kirk to the Jaguars. It's where we get into the money side of things that I kind of start scratching my head a little bit. Like you said, four years, 72 million, it's 37 million guaranteed. So you can get out after year two, certainly, but you're paying him 18 million per year over the next couple seasons is what it comes down to. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that in a vacuum, but when you start looking at who else you may, might have been able to sign for that money, like Allen Robinson got less money. Did he want to come to Jacksonville? I don't know, but if you're telling me Christian Kirk is making $3 million more per year than Allen Robinson, who's an X, a borderline top 10 X receiver in the NFL, uh, I mean, top 15 at worst. I don't see that in terms of Christian Kirk making that much more than him um, and being prioritized more than him. And then it's like, who else was competing with you for Christian Kirk at that cost? Were you really outbidding someone else at 18 million? I expected him to make 12 to 15 million per year with 25 to 30 guaranteed. And the Jaguars just blew that out of the water. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Christian Kirk, the football player. I am confused about the the money. I do know they can get out of the contract after two years, but of course that's not the goal. You want him to live up to this contract and you want to keep him around. You want to want to keep him around, right? Um, love the football player. Don't love the money. Don't love what maybe that money could have got you elsewhere. I'm giving it a B minus because I do think he immediately becomes Trevor Lawrence's most trusted receiver, best hands on the team. But the bottom line is he's not an X and he's getting paid to be, he's getting paid like a starting X receiver. The only thing that I have to counter that in regards to the money, when you talk about, you know, you're paying him $18 million a year, it goes one of two ways, right? After two years, like I said, there's an out and yes, you did overpay, but as it stands right now, you have enough money to do that this year and enough money to do that next year. We know the, the current. I agree with that. And that's why my point was, what could you have gotten? With agreed. Agreed. I'm talking about now getting into year three and year four, right? If he does turn out to be that guy, or hopefully this offense really kind of gets it to the place that we want to be. I think at that point, the $18 million becomes a bargain to you, Right. On the back. Well, and I'm sure they would restructure it too and get some of that signing bonus going again mm-hmm. and, you know, kick the can down the road. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with it, just the money in a vacuum. It's like, could you have spent that money on someone? Right, right, right. I just, that, w- that is potentially better. Yeah. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure Allen Robinson would have come to Jacksonville, but he got paid significantly less than Christian Kirk. And I know Kirk is younger. I know Kirk maybe has more upside, doesn't really have the same injury history as Allen Robinson. He's coming off a great season, whereas Allen Robinson is coming off a disappointing season. There's a lot of factors here, but I just I don't see Christian Kirk as a better receiver than Allen Robinson. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly what the breakdown was on Robinson's numbers for the contract. I was going to try to look it up at enough time real quick. Just so I'm curious as to what the difference was, but... But that's not really the important part. The only the only thing that the other thing that scares I me, I looked that up real quick. The only other thing that scares me is Kirk, like you mentioned, is 
a vertical slot threat, right? That that was where he was best last year. He he does stretch the defense, but the vertical slot threat scares me a little bit when we talk about scheme, just because of how narrow that seam, that vertical seam area becomes on the field. So, well, it's not the no, 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 no. it's not. I think it's what he can do to really destroy. Right, it's not. But what I was going to get at was, but what I would like to see him improve on, really going forward to really maximize what he can bring to the Jaguars offense and to Trevor Lawrence, is his route running, especially in the short intermediate routes with his feet. The biggest thing I think with him, if, if, if he can improve his feet to get more separation on those routes, especially in the short and intermediate window, then that ability to stretch the field to become that vertical guy from the slot through the seam is, is way more valuable and becomes, and becomes much, I mean, a tenfold on the back end with, with what you can do with your scheme in regards to that. And that will help a ton of other guys as well. So a great system ad if you can get him to do some of the things that that really will take this offense to new heights. See, I think he does well running the short stuff, but um, that's just me. So Allen Robinson, it's again, essentially for him, a two-year deal with that out afterwards. But it's three years, $46.5 million. So what is it? So what is it? His, his average is 15. His guaranteed is 30. You're paying him $3 million less per year, and you're guaranteeing him $7 million less than what Christian Kirk got guaranteed. Kirk's was 37 guaranteed? Yeah. And that, I mean, yeah, and, and th- yeah, that's two years. That's, oof. Yeah. It's interesting. And I, I don't think they're going to end up regretting signing Kirk, and I do think the money in the long run is going to be fine. I just wonder if Allen Robinson wouldn't have been better for the offense overall. And and we'll see. We'll never know, obviously, uh, how that would have worked out. I, I like getting Christian Kirk. I like it a lot. That's why I have it as a B minus, even though I think the money's a little outrageous. Um, some of these other signings we can get into, and I, I'm going to think the same thing. What if what if the Jaguars were able to sign Christian Kirk and Allen Robinson? Then you have a real wide receiver core for Trevor Lawrence to work with, uh, and. They spent some money on some curious <laughs> acquisitions, in my opinion. You would think, but let's hopefully you would think. And I know we're going to move on, and I'm not talking about Kirk specifically, but hopefully you would think they like they knew that, right? They would have thrown that money elsewhere. For now, obviously, we don't know that, but you got to think that if, that if you would have physically been able to to spend that money on Kirk Plus and Kirk, you know, right? You think they would have made that decision, that choice? Yeah, at least you would hope. Uh, and you know, early on when the um, when the tampering period opened up, the, it was the Jaguars and the Lions linked to Allen Robinson. That talk kind of fell off. Right, something had to change. I, I don't think that he would not have signed with the Jaguars had the money been right. Is what I'm trying to say because the talks were there. He had talked about going back to Jacksonville in 2021 before the Bears franchise tagged him. I really think they could have got that guy. And I think if you paired Christian Kirk with Allen Robinson, that is just so much better than the situation you're currently in. Yeah. It sucks that we'll probably never know. I hate uh, the guys yeah. that come back out and talk but, about that kind of stuff afterwards. Like, I understand the business part. Maybe they will. It could happen yeah. later on. 
Like you see the guys like with Fred Taylor and the podcast they're doing, they talk about all sorts of fun. And I wish that would be more, Uh, but I'm not saying the NFL buries that kind of stuff, but how many people do you know that probably don't even know about the I am athlete? Like that, like the information that we get, give those guys a platform, right? Let's, let's stop making this like such a hush hush. Like if there's shady stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, if, if business practices are poor, that stuff needs to come to light. Well, yeah, I agree with that. But of course, the shield is going to protect itself. Talk for another time. Um, yeah. So the Jaguars did make a signing that I loved, and I liked it even more than. Okay, there's a couple signings I liked more than Christian Kirk. We'll start with Brandon Scherf. Three years, forty nine point five million, thirty million guaranteed. So again, this is basically a two year deal with an out after year two for the team, where they can kind of get out and save some money and move on if they want to. But Chris, I mean, Brandon Scherf, I think he's one of the top five guards in football. I mean, he's made the Pro Bowl in five out of seven seasons as a pro. 2020 All-Pro first team. He's athletic. He's strong. He's mean. He's nasty. He's good in pass pro. He can get out and move and as a run blocker in this zone rushing attack that the Jaguars are expected to have. He's the perfect signing on the field. Now, he's had some injury history. And that's concerning. That's why I'm giving this only an A minus because on the field, Brandon Scherf is an A plus signing, in my opinion. I agree. However, I have to give it a B plus. Um, and and there's a little bit more to it than just the injury. The age is there a little bit. It does start to make me a little bit nervous how often we're seeing guys retire early due to injury. You know, kind of hey, my body says I'm done. And with Scherf, with the injury history he does have, that does make me a little bit nervous. But like you said, from the football standpoint, in a vacuum, an A++++ signing that you're able to get this guy. Yeah, the money is expensive, right? He was expensive. But like you mentioned, five was it uh, five-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro? Um, or was it one-time, one-time All-Pro, Pro, five-time Pro Bowler? Um, I, I mean, it, you can't get any better along the interior of the offensive line. Huge signing, great signing. The injury history is there, but I mean, personally, that's that's a chance you got to take on a guy like that with his skill. You know, you you have to take that chance. You have to to put the bodies in front of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it just is what it is. It was a necessary evil. It had to be done. If you were a little bit younger and didn't have the injury history, A plus. But we'll go with the B plus for now. And the one counterpoint I have to the injuries talk, which is real, he has had injuries. He's missed a lot of time. Uh, over the last few years. Trent Williams was a guy that was awful similar to that when he was heading out to San Francisco, had had a lot of injury issues. People were talking about his age. But when it's this level of player, this level of athlete at these types of positions, I think they can keep going for a long time. And I think as long as uh, Scherf can stay healthy, which he hasn't been able to, but I think he could still play for a long time is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he definitely could. It's obviously a little bit different with linemen, right? With with the size of their bodies. You got guys like Tom Brady, you know, smaller guys. They can do things with their bodies to just prolong their careers. And we're seeing that actively right now, right? Guys taking better care of their bodies. Exercise science is is so much more um advanced and so more it's so much more important than it was a couple of years ago. Love to see him prolong just, you know. The big guys kind of give you a little bit of a scare there. Where was Trent Williams before 
he was in Washington. Washington. That's right. I remember because what didn't he have the issue with? He had like a mass on his brain or something like that, and they didn't tell mm-hmm. him. Okay, I thought I yeah. wasn't crazy. I can remember if it was him or Swiss. Yeah, he had all sorts of stuff going on too when he went to San right. Francisco, and he's still been able to be that yeah. guy. And when you're this level of athlete, I think a lot of these types of guys can, you know, forward like just be even better into their 30s than they were as younger players. Uh, hopefully, Brandon Scherf can be that for the Jaguars. But even if he's just what he has been, you're getting a Pro Bowl player for at least two thirds of the game every two thirds of the games every year, and that makes the Jaguars a lot, lot better at right. Yeah, and not only that, these now we're in a 17 game season now, right? I, I think gone are the days where you look at a guy, you look at his numbers, and and you look for you know 16 out of 16, 17 out of 17, right? I understand that you want that longevity, you want that consistency, but the seasons are longer. The talent is better. Guys are bigger, faster, stronger than they ever were before. I think the NFL is more demanding on your body than it ever was before. I'm okay with seeing some of these guys get a week or two off throughout the season, especially down in the trenches where they're just going head-to-head every single play. When you only have one bye week in the NFL, and they're varied, right? So one is in week eight. One could be in week 15. I mean, for some of these guys to play 15 straight weeks before a break or 14 straight weeks before a break or 14 straight weeks after a break, you know, stuff like that. I just I just think that it's asking a lot, and it's going to it's gonna start to become more common, I think, to see guys get a week off here and there. Yeah, and I don't think anything he's suffered has been something that's going to be uh, a long-term concern. They've all been kind of isolated uh, incidents for the most part there. So, yeah, Brandon Scherf makes the Jaguars offensive line tremendously better at right guard. Uh, Hopefully, Brandon Linder can stick around and they can play next to each other because that could be one of the best center right guard combinations in football uh, when they're both healthy. And I know you can throw out your snarky health comments the bottom line is if those two guys can get on the field together, they're going to make Trevor Lawrence's life a hell of a lot easier. Um, moving to the defensive side of the ball, the Jaguars spent $15 million per year on Foye Aluokun. Three years, $45 million, $28 million guaranteed. So again, as we've talked about, this is essentially a two-year deal. What did you see from Aluokun, and how do you feel about his fit with the Jaguars? Um, Aluokun is a extremely fluid runner, which I think is very important for linebackers. Great tackler, obviously led the NFL in tackles last year. Play recognition, everything that I've seen from him, watching a little bit of his highlights, um, post-signing, I like it. I like it a lot. This signing would have been an A, in my mind, before they released Miles Jack, and now it's a, a B plus. Great linebacker. He is. He is a great linebacker. But I thought at the time they brought him in to pair with Miles Jack. We had had one, you know, good linebacker, not great linebacker, but good linebacker. I would say a well above average, but not yet in the great category. And Miles Jack over the last few years, he just needed somebody next to him. Somebody next to him in regards to, hey, look, if, if Miles Jack is an instinctive player, he needs someone else wearing that green dot. I get it. Get somebody else in that compare with him because the ability's there. We've seen it. We've seen Miles Jack have great times and we've seen him have bad times. We know when Miles Jack is on what he's capable of. He's capable of being a top half linebacker in the NFL. So 
I think they took one step forward and then one step back with the release of Miles Jack, but for what it's worth, uh, Aluakun is younger. Um, you know, recently led the NFL in tackles. Um, he just in every way, shape, or form, he, he's kind of like the same player, to be completely honest with you, as Miles Jack, just a little bit younger. I don't, I don't hate it. I think they they needed some, definitely some some big help at, at the second level of the defense, but they need more now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's more instinctive than Miles Jack. Um, obviously you don't get 190 tackles by accident. And I've gone back and watched some of his tape because I wasn't super familiar with him. I knew who he was, but his athleticism, like you said, it pops. He ran a 4.4840 coming out of college, vertical of 37. So you see the long speed, you see the explosiveness with those two things. And uh, I think he just has great vision as a, as a uh, run stuffer. I think he can kind of disengage from these big offensive linemen pretty easily. He roams sideline to sideline very well with that speed. Uh, I think he drops back into these zone coverages decently. I know a lot of people kind of crush him. I haven't seen, um, based on what what I've watched so far, a guy that's horrific in coverage. Uh, and, And he's a playmaker. He's forced a lot of turnovers, come up with a lot of big plays for the Falcons over the last couple years. I do think he's an upgrade over Miles Jack in terms of if you're going to play them at middle linebacker. But uh, if they're both weak side linebackers, then yeah, it's probably more of a more of a lateral move than a than a upgrade. But um, it is frustrating for Miles Jack. He was played out of position most of his career in Jacksonville. The Jaguars couldn't quite figure out how to use him. And I'm sure that Pittsburgh will figure out how to use him and will figure out how to get the most out of him. I think this could end up looking pretty ugly for the Jaguars in a couple years. Yeah, I don't understand what what the signing of Olukun did in, in terms of making up their minds to cut Miles Jack. He didn't really save that much money. Yeah, he, he was a guy that always seemed all in. Yeah. Uh despite all the losing he was always kind of just very team oriented um sure he did not live up to what you expected uh, over the last uh, certainly in 2022 but there's injuries there's being you know played in a position that is not advantageous to what he does well which you know todd wash did that for years urban meyer did it last year for a good period of time it's frustrating. Yeah, I just, I just want to know what what exactly confirm. Now, if 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 they came in, Doug came in, did the review. Hey, we understand we're not going to have this guy back next year. That it's different, but it didn't seem like that. It didn't feel like that, you know. So I want I wonder what changes their mind. I I, I don't really know. But when we're looking at what fifteen million a year, we we were paying what Miles Jack ten a year, twelve a year. Yeah, I mean, you could say that Aluakun has more room for growth moving forward as a younger yeah. player and you're getting you're getting him for cheaper than what you would have had miles jack in 2022 based on his current or what his current contract was but could you have restructured that probably right. yeah most definitely and, and um, I, I don't i don't I, but see the, another thing with with his play i know people have, have talked about that you know him being out of position not i get that and that's true but at the same time that's not necessarily all on miles right the coaching has not been I would say it's been anything but par, up to par. It's, it's been very subpar for the majority of the time that he's been here. So, 
I can't put it all on him because when you see on tape, you know, whether he's in the wrong position at times or, or, you know, those are coachable things, right? The ability is what's there. And if you can't coach a guy, if he's uncoachable, that's different. But I don't think Miles has ever benefited from good coaching in his career. Yeah, it's tough for me because I do think Joe Cullen was is a good coach. Fair enough. Um, but I obviously things that were going on above Joe Cullen are just horrendous and unspeakable. But um, it's tough. It's going to be really interesting to see how Miles Jack plays out in Pittsburgh. I think that they will do a good job utilizing his skill set. Um, I just hope for the Jaguars' sake that Aluakin can come in and be what Miles Jack couldn't be here. And I'm not blaming Miles Jack for that necessarily. I do think, as we've said, not great situations that he was in most of the time he was here. But hopefully, hopefully for Aluakin, this will be a good situation. Um, the fact that Mike Caldwell would have seemingly signed off on both of these moves as a former linebacker, as a linebacker's coach at heart, as the Jaguars defensive coordinator, maybe he sees something in, in Miles Jack's ability or inability to thrive in the type of scheme he wants to run. Uh, maybe he likes a Luican there better. That is a great. It would have been nice to. It would have been nice to see them both, but maybe Caldwell is seeing something. That is a not. great, great point. Anything about that was a great point to bring up. Mike Caldwell, right, signing off on those moves. Before we transition here, one more pass catcher off the board, off the free agent board. That is Demarcus Robinson is signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. No, you're well, a big fan. So uh, I'm in a house. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm in a house with a bunch of Chiefs fans right now, so I'm sure they're going to be um, probably excited huh. that he's in Vegas. Not, not fans, huh? No, I mean, and I'm a Gator. He was a Gator. Um, he never moved the needle. Yeah. Was very inconsistent with his play. I mean, he could make you some fantastic plays, but then probably sixty percent of the time, you're just wondering what the hell he's thinking out there. Uh, unfortunately, so yeah. And speaking of Raiders wide receivers, why don't we just go ahead and talk about Zay Jones here? Three years, twenty-four million from the Jaguars, fourteen million guaranteed. So again, another two-year deal. And when it comes down to it, they'll be able to get out of it after two years. I did not see. Oh, and by the way, I gave Alua kind of B, and that's unrelated to the Miles Jack situation. Just that signing in particular. Um, but yeah, Zay Jones. What do you make of this one? Oh, desperation. Um, fear. It's a stinky cologne. Um, it is. I, I I don't know. Zay Jones, to me, while he's a intriguing prospect for the same reasons as Laquan Treadwell, young, has the potential, has shown it in the past, but has not really you know, met the expectations of probably himself and, and of the teams that have drafted him and, and signed him previously. I feel like you could have waited on this one, right? You had Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Great. Do we want to go ahead and, 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 you know, go for a bigger fish before we shoot for Zay Jones? That's what I probably would have done. Probably would have, you know, tested the waters elsewhere a little bit more before making that signing. I think Demarcus Robinson just got signed. And I feel like Demarcus Robinson and Zay Jones are probably on about the same plane in regards to talent level and 
what I would assume would have been their interest in free agency. So I have to imagine you weren't, you know, against the clock to outbid anybody for Zay Jones. Either they see something that we don't, or, you know, they're just completely trying to revamp the entire receiver room, which I wouldn't be surprised with either. But again, you know, it just doesn't seem like a needle moving signing. I would probably say a, a D plus on this one because where is he going to go? You know, you sign a couple guys who you keep saying, if he's your fourth or fifth guy on the roster, you know, then we're, then we're good. We've said that about almost everybody at this point, besides Christian Kirk and how many four, <laughs> exactly. how many fourth or fifth guys in the roster can you have when there's only one fourth spot and one fifth spot? If I've got four number fours, you know, and three number fives, that's like w- when you have two good. quarterbacks, you don't have any, right? So I, I just, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, they've, they've got to see something that we don't, or there must be something specific that they're bringing Zay Jones in for again, a, a little bit of a bigger body than what we have here on the roster. Jaguars don't really have anybody with, with the size and, and length that not only just the Quantra, what would Zay Jones have, you know, another guy who's, I'm trying to look at his weight here. Cause I know he's six, he's 200 pounds. So he's again, six, two, six, three, another bigger guy, only 200 pounds, not a huge frame, a bigger body. The Jaguars, we don't have that. So maybe it's just a different, different body type. I, I don't know. I think he's fine. I like him better than Demarcus Robinson uh, because I think he's just a more consistent player than Robinson. I don't think he has the highs or the lows of a Robinson. Um, But yeah, like who was banging down the door to sign Zay Jones? Uh, Who made you give him 8 million per year? And, And of course we talk about how the yearly doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, in my opinion, that you're going to pay him over $10 million in 2023. I think that's absurd. Like, And no offense at all to Zay Jones. I think he's fine. Uh, I think he he should be on an NFL roster. He should probably be, like you said, a fourth or fifth receiver. I just don't get it. I'm giving it a D. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still here. The, the, the quiet... I, I can't tell if you're pausing to, to get my take, but I'm just, oh, yeah. I'm speechless quite literally. So I, you know, don't think that I'm sitting here ignoring you. I'm, I'm quite literally speechless <laughs> on that fact. I, like you said, you're, you're going to pay that guy $10 million. Has Zay Jones even made $10 million in his career? Outside of his rookie contract, maybe because if I, if I'm not mistaken, he was a first or second round pick. Um, mm-hmm. I just, uh, yeah. Right. This is this isn't one where you can say, hey, it's a it's a tested type of contract. The money matters. You know, there, there's no way around this one. There's no. So it just doesn't make sense. I mean, are they trying to find the guys who, you know, are being cast off and try to make a core out of the guys that are being cast off? That they still think have something to give, have something to prove. Maybe. But that's a really dangerous game to play. Zay Jones came in highly yeah. regarded. He did. At, at East yeah, Florida. he was a second round pick and. Right, but again, another guy from a mid-major conference school who you know is all the rage. At some point, do some of those guys make it? Yes. Do some of those guys make names for themselves? Absolutely. But are we just going to become the island of misfit wide receivers? I don't. I don't really know what's going on here. Even Marvin Jones, like, all kudos to Marvin Jones. He was a very effective guy in Detroit with Matt Stafford. You know, also got to play with Calvin Johnson, I believe, there towards the tail end, which helped as well. But we just keep picking up guys who haven't really, you know, found any 
tread in the NFL yet. See, I don't think Jones is a similar. I don't excuse me. I don't think Marvin Jones is a similar signing at all. I, I think jo- Marvin Jones, he's done a lot in his NFL career, and he had a rough season last year. He's getting up there in age. Uh, he's not a speed guy by any stretch. I don't see these two moves as similar. I think Marvin Jones, based on what he had done previously, you could look at him as a legitimate number three target. Obviously, 2021 happened, and now you kind of have more questions and answers about Marvin Jones and where he's at in his career. But coming into Jacksonville in 2021, I think Marvin Jones was far and away a much better talent than what Zay Jones is. Uh, But uh, I think Zay Jones, his best trait is probably his ability to block on the edge, block on the outside. He can definitely take advantage of some cornerbacks when you're, when you're trying to run the ball, when you're trying to get that screen game going. So it's, it's not an exciting move at all. And that's one of those moves where it's like, if you take that money you spent on him and maybe the money you spent on, let's talk about fully, Fatu Kasi after this, maybe the money you spent on both of those guys and, and went and got a a legitimate receiver like Allen Robinson or, you know, I I think that could have been much better allocation of resources, but fully Fatu Kasi three years, 30 million. He's an interior defensive lineman from the New York jets. Uh, He gets 20 million guaranteed from the Jaguars. He's a guy that's interesting uh, because in 2020, he didn't have the same type of uh, production and effectiveness as he did, or excuse me, in 2021, as he did in 2019 and 2020. Of course, last year, he's playing in a 4-3 style defense where he's playing more in between the guard and the tackle. 2019 and 2020, he was playing more like a nose, uh, playing straight heads up on the tackle, play, or excuse me, heads up on the center, in between the center and the guard, and he was much more effective in that role, kind of controlling the interior. You would think with Mike Caldwell coming aboard, they're going to play more of that style, and that should suit fully. But the bottom line is he's still an early down run defender for the most part. This is not a pass rusher, not an interior pass rusher that's going to move the needle. You're telling me you can't take the money you gave him and Zay Jones and throw it at Allen Robinson and call it a day? Yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, I know. I, I definitely agree with you in regards to that, right? You can take that money and you can put it elsewhere, specifically to the wide receiver, which you know we've, we've said repeatedly is, is the biggest need and they should have put all of their money at. But to kind of even talk against my own beliefs and, and my own thought process here, I understand where they may be trying to spread the money out across the team. Do I agree with it? No, but I maybe understand exactly what's happening here. What I will say is, first of all, the grade on this, I'll give it a B minus because he has shown the ability to be productive from the interior of the defensive line, both in the past game at times and as mainly a run stuffer. But the biggest person I think that this benefits here is Josh Allen. Give Josh Allen and the defense, another weapon to potentially get pressure from a different direction, from a different angle to open up the edge for Josh Allen. We have to divert attention, right? And last year it was Dewan Smoot. Dewan Smoot started coming on. 
was was doing great, right? Started to take up some of that attention, put up some great numbers for us. That was one guy, right? Got to have more than that, especially when we're looking at the potential to maybe or maybe not add another edge defender with the number one overall pick. This leaves that option open for you. It allows you to fill a need along the interior defensive line, which we thought was a strength, but really wasn't all that of a strength. And when you have a 3-4 like this, like you just mentioned, those guys that are getting pressure from the interior, it's a little bit different. That rotation that you have with your interior defensive lineman, I'm doing the air quotes. I know nobody can see him, but doing the air quotes. And a 3-4 is a lot different than when you have a 4-3, right? The 4-3, your, your two inside guys are built differently than your two defensive ends, right? They're just different bodies. They're different styles. They have to do different things. In a 3-4, your pass rush is primarily coming from the outside edge. Those three guys on the interior, both the ends and the tackles, the bodies are a little bit different now. They're more similar than you would have seen in a 4-3 uh, scheme. So it gives you the ability to move Fadukasi around from the nose, both ends, put him where he's best. You can play the matchups here as well. You know, If you've got a guy... That you find through film doesn't do well with a bull rush or doesn't do well with certain things, right? You have guys that do different things very well. At least what I've seen on tape from Fadokasi that you can now move around and it gives you more options along the defensive front to create more opportunities for pressure, you know, run stuff, stuff like that. So I think it was a good signing. I think it was an important one. It's not a glamorous one. You could have put the money elsewhere, but we still have to, you know, at least address the needs that we have there along the interior of the defensive line. Mm-hmm. See, I, I I like him in a vacuum more than I like him in terms of fitting what the Jaguars needed to do this offseason. Uh, Doug Peterson, he said, you can't fix it overnight. You can't fix it all in one offseason. Did he forget that? Because he's literally trying to fix every position he can via free agency this offseason. I would have much preferred to see a more um, a more uh, focused approach. Fix it around Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, instead of, well, we can throw eight million at Zay Jones, who no one really is interested in, and throw twenty million guaranteed at Fatu Kasi to come in and stop the run. Obviously, I think if they're paying him that much, he, they think he can do more than that, and I think he can do more than that. You got to line him up. Like I said, more of a nose tackle role um, than a guy that is a 4-3 type of interior lineman lining up in between that guard and tackle. Hopefully they can use him effectively. I think he can be a good player for them. Again, it's more about the allocation of resources than it is about the individual player because I do like Foley Fatukasi as an individual player. And uh He's an interesting guy. I think he's going to bring a great perspective to the team. Good culture guy. He was a captain for the Jets. I'm giving it a C plus because I just think the money could have been better used elsewhere. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree. And and you're right. You know, you 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 can't do this overnight. Doug was right, and I don't necessarily think that it's Doug trying to fix it overnight. I think the cupboard's really bare, and you've got to build a base for this team, and we don't have one. I think I think that's more of what's happening here is is truthfully I think the money is being spread out and blanketed because they've got to build a base they got to get guys all across now we now you could have you could have definitely absolutely just went one way or the other and we've talked about that and now I'm still all for 
a majority of the moves being made in regards to helping Trevor Lawrence go forward. But I mean, I think it just really shows you how thin this team really was. Like think about if we didn't make those additions to the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line in general, the base defense, I think that we had and the base team we just had in general was so unbelievably bad. You're almost starting from scratch. Yeah. I don't think that Fatu Kasi is better than Malcolm Brown by much. Ooh, if yeah, I don't agree with that. I uh, I'm not I, thinking he's a great player. He's a, think, he's a very ap- I, okay. He's a little bit of above. He's an above average defensive lineman. I think interior defensive lineman. above average role yes, player. I can How give you that. But the like our our above average role players are practice squad guys. Our starters aren't even above average role players on other teams. That's where I think the disconnect comes. I in. think. I think that's a little bit of a reach um, if you really want to break down the whole roster, which we're not going <laughs> to do right now. But like, you told me Malcolm Brown is is anything more than a rotational guy elsewhere. I don't think Fatu Kasi is either. Fatu Kasi showed something with the Jets. He, I, I disagree, but I, we'll, we'll not argue about it for for too long. I just think that I think he's going to be a rotational player here. I think if he's a rotational player here, it's 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 out. Of, it's not it's not out of necessity. Like he's going to be the starter probably, um, first and second down. I don't think he's going to be a guy that plays most of the snaps. But you're going to see more of that with the three four front. So Absolutely. I mean, I, I understand where it, where it fits just, in. Also, I, I get where you're coming and, from. And, and you're spending that money towards run stuffing more than towards pass rush, which is yep. again, if I'm spending money, if I'm using resources, I know I have to stop the run. I'm playing against Jonathan Taylor. I'm playing against Derrick Henry, but you got to be able to stop the pass in this Especially league. When you get to the playoffs, uh, you, so, and they did attempt to help their pass defense. Darius Williams, three years, thirty million. The Jacksonville native went to Creekside High School. He's getting eighteen million guaranteed. He actually took less money to come to Jacksonville than he would have earned elsewhere. Super Bowl champion with the Rams. He's an undersized cornerback, but he has played exclusively, almost exclusively, on the outside during his four-year career. And he's 29 years old, so he's an older guy to be only four years of experience. Hopefully that means he can play a little longer um, because he doesn't have the wear and tear of most 29-year-olds. But I think from a from an on-the-field perspective, from how much he's costing the Jaguars, I think this was a great, great signing. The only question is, how are the Jaguars going to deploy their top three corners now? You have Darius Williams, Tyson Campbell, and Shaquille Griffin, all three of whom have primarily been outside cover corners. Uh, Are you going to be matchup-based? Are you going to have one of those guys more so in the slot than the others? Darius Williams' size seems to suggest that he would be a better fit in the slot than the other two guys. But you have to figure that out. And until the Jaguars show me that they can figure that out, I have to keep this in the B range at B+. I'm actually going to give it an A-. minus. So it's going to be my only signing, I believe, that I've, that I've given an A grade to, even though it is an A-. minus. I think, you know, we just talked about it. The way that the NFL is progressing, it's becoming a passing league if it's not already. You have a couple backs, two of them that are in the AFC South, unfortunately, that still do 
control football for their respective teams, i.e. Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. But, you know, teams are mostly run by Patrick Mahomes and Rodgers and, and, you know, Derek Carr now with his new channel. All these quarterbacks, Herbert, you look at the AFC alone, how many quarterbacks there are that are just slinging the ball. It's going to create a ton of competition for years to come. It's also fantastic that the Jaguars finally get a franchise quarterback and the entire AFC just becomes an absolute juggernaut. So that's fantastic. But you've got to go and get some secondary help. And so the Jaguars already had one guy they spent money on last year. They've already allocated money to that position in the last two years. They got a guy in Tyson Campbell who uh, you know, I was very extremely crit- critical of at a lot of times last year, and he improved. He showed a lot of improvement and became a guy that I think they're – looking to rely on going forward. Obviously they picked him early, but you know, he he's shown that he can be a guy that they can work into the future plans. Now you add a guy, you know, Darius Williams, who, like you said, 29, but still young in the NFL has shown to be a very formidable corner. And you go ahead and you put a guy into a group that I would say for right now with the way the roster is constructed is a strength cornerback while they're not great, and I'm not saying they're good in any way, shape, or form, the group that we have, but it was a strength of this team. Oh, I think it's a good So it's definitely a better group I now. I think that top three is and good. The thing that I love the most about this, everyone's talking about who's going to play in the slot, who's going to do this, do that. You don't have to do that anymore. And I think that's still, again, becoming less and less, I don't want to say normal. That's not the word I'm looking for, but but it's, it's, it's not what you're seeing every day anymore. I think this allows you to play the matchup game. I mean, just absolutely just better than and that's what yeah, you hope, like right Shaq matches At up least. with you know x not x receiver but x on this team and you know darius matches up with this guy and tyson match up with this guy go follow them they can all play the slot we've seen it right they can all play outside go follow them we don't have to have a guy who's going to get well, hey we have to play this guy inside because he's going to get beat outside we got to play this guy outside because he can't keep up with anybody inside. You're not going to have that issue. Go play the matchup game. Go play it. This is great. Great signing. Adds depth. Adds you know to a strength position. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it too. It's just this grade for me is as much about me questioning, can the Jaguars coaching staff get it right here with how they deploy these guys? Um than anything else. And I, I have no reason to believe Mike Caldwell can't. But again, this is a guy who is a first-time defensive coordinator, first-time calling the place. Is he going to be able to you know, carry over kind of that Todd Bowles style of defense and do it effectively? Hopefully he can. And uh, Darius Williams is a great piece to have, certainly. Now, the last big free agent signing was tight end Evan Ingram, one year, nine million dollar deal. So obviously, there's no long term risk here. What do you think about Evan Ingram? Well, there's two ways I want to look at this: the potential and the actual. Potential is a B plus. I've always now this is probably going to be from from a position of a little bit of of um I'm going to brain fart here. It's a terrible time to to blank on a word, but uh. Bias. There you go. A little bit of bias here because I love Evan Ingram. I loved Evan Ingram at Old Miss. I loved him coming into the league. I thought he would fit in with the new vertical receiving type of tight end that we have seen explode here recently. 
And he just never really put it together. Never really put it together in, in New York. I don't think that was a great system for him. They weren't a very vertical system by any means. And he's not a guy that's going to block. You know, he, he's not a guy that's going to block for you. We know that. So the potential for him as a pass catcher, as a safety foul for Trevor Lawrence, potential into, you know, a, a potential fit into this offense based on what I've seen Doug Peterson do with tight ends in the past. I absolutely love it. The only thing I hate is the contract. It's not about the money. You know, if he sucks, okay, it's one year, not a big deal. We move on. We did pay him $10 million, but it is what it is. We move on. If he has a great year and, you know, he becomes everything that we want him to be, he becomes that safety valve for Trevor Lawrence, he becomes a high-volume guy, well, then he just set the market for himself. And now you've got to go and, and really pay big money to keep that guy around because the tight end position is no longer an afterthought, right? That position is kind of a commodity nowadays. And so he could go out there and, and, and perform his way out of a contract extension in Jacksonville. That's the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous, but the optics of it, at least for the, the year upcoming, I think are fantastic. I mean, there's just so much potential for what you can do with this guy in this offense. Well, look, if he plays himself out of, uh, being able to resign in Jacksonville because he plays so well, then I don't really care. Um, just because you're going to be talking about having a guy that really helped Trevor Lawrence out in year two, but you know, drops have been an issue throughout his career. People talk about that ad nauseum. Um, it's true though. He has been inconsistent with his ability to catch the football. And so that's why when you say a safety valve, I know that's like the common phrasing for a tight end. I don't think he's a safety valve. I think he is a big play threat. Um, I hope that Dan Arnold is still the starting tight end and that Evan Ingram is the 1B because I think Arnold earned that in 2021. But I think with those two guys, you at least have a top 15 tight end group in the NFL. Um, just based on sheer numbers, Evan Ingram, like we've said, not going to be a great blocker for you. He's going to put the ball on the turf sometimes. It's unfortunate. But the bottom line is he's caught at least 44 passes in every season he's played in in the NFL. 64 catches as a rookie, 45, 44, 63, 46. That's volume. Uh, and he's going to be playing with the best quarterback he's ever played with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the term safety valve when it when it when it comes to right the hands. Obviously, yes, you want your safety valve to have great hands, but safety valve is more the fact that you know where is he in the progression. And I think that 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 that's something that's important too. Um, you know, when you're trying to scheme these things for Trevor, find the guy who is going to be his consistent pass catcher. Right. And make him say, yes, there have been drop issues. But again, we're talking about the potential for what he could become if things change. Right. If he still has the drop issues and still has trouble, you know, doing the things that, that are asked of him, then we're not having this conversation. So drops, everything's not like those are things that have to get fixed. Same thing with LaVisca. But with those, you know, you know, kind of out of the equation, at least what we're talking about right now for the potential of it. Like you said, I mean, he's just, he's, he's a big play threat. He's a guy who, can stretch the field from the tight end spot, a guy that could complement a guy like Christian Kirk really well and work with him really well. I don't think you'll see him line up uh, with his hand to the dirt very often. I'll tell you that. I would hope not. Uh, but so that that's the seven free agents. The Jaguars really went out and spent a lot of money on. 
I feel great about landing a Brandon Scherf, Christian Kirk, Oluquin, Oluquin, excuse me, and Darius Williams. Evan Ingram, like we just talked about, he has the ability to help you out. He has the potential to be a very effective tight end. Uh, if he can limit the drops in 2022, he's going to be very effective for Trevor Lawrence. Like we said, he's always caught a lot of passes. Fatu Kasi, I, I like him in a vacuum as well. The Zay, Zay, excuse me, the Zay Jones move. I don't think either of us really get that one. But when you look at all these moves in a vacuum, you like each player for the most part. You think they can do something for this team. Uh, Scherf, Kirk, Aluakun, and Williams are the real needle movers, the guys that really raise the talent level of this team by a significant margin, in my opinion. Uh, But I just still go back to the allocation of resources. I'll say it a million times, right? Like, between Ingram, Fatu Kasi, and Jones, that money, you could have gotten someone that could really make an impact. Uh, and they decided not to do that. And we'll never know if Allen Robinson would have come to Jacksonville. But I have a feeling if you would have thrown that bag at him, you could have got him and you could have paired him with Christian Kirk and really given Trevor Lawrence a nice group of receivers even before you got to the draft. Yeah, I'd also like to know like what their, what, what their cutoff was. Right at what point with A-Rob? yeah, not just Arab, just in general, because like you said, right, if you throw the bag at him, would he come to Jacksonville? I'm sure he would have, but at what at what point do they draw the line? Jaguars are, are paying a premium on players, like it just is what it is. Like we know that, yeah, clearly, we, don't, we don't have to clearly. guess or question it. So, you know, my, my thought process is, you know, what was that line and, and how did it relate to Robinson? And would that have now you say, you know, Fadukasi and Zay Jones, a couple other guys, yeah. That money probably would have at least got one of those guys, but it probably would have diluted it in a way that they couldn't have gotten multiple guys. So again, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I don't know the numbers, but it'd be interesting to know the numbers so we can kind of you know get a better balance for okay, well, that person we would have had to pay this to get this guy, so we could have allocated this here. You know what I'm saying? There's so many moving parts. But now that we gave grades for every individual signing, what's your grade for the whole hall as a whole? A B. A B. A B, just because I think you did go get four players that are absolutely going to make your team a lot better in Williams, Aluakun, Kirk, and Scherf. You've got some upside with Ingram and Fatu Kasi. Um, and then Jones was just very confusing. Uh, but again, that grade could be higher for me if they would have spent differently with those, you know, those last three, Ingram, Fatu Kasi, and Jones. Because I don't think there is a human alive that watches football that would tell you Zay Jones and Foley Fatukasi are better for your football team than Allen Robinson. Yeah. And they spent more on those two guys than they would have spent on Allen Robinson. Most likely. Combined. Those yeah. two guys combined. Yeah, we'll never know, but right, most likely. I I would I would go out on a limb to say that you're correct without knowing. It's a lot of money. I mean, Allen Robinson isn't going to turn down $20 million a year. No. No, but would you pay $20 million a year for Allen Robinson? Yes. For two years? Absolutely. In order to give Trevor Lawrence the best possible chance? Right. Yes. Which is fair, but that, 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 that's the question. You know, what What's his price, and, and would you, when I say you subjectively, be willing to pay that? You know, I don't know. Because you're paying Jones and Fatu Kasi. When you're talking about per year, you're paying them um, 
18 combined and you gave them a combined 34 million. If you threw 34 million guaranteed to Allen Robinson, you're telling me he's not taking that. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Probably. <laughs> You'd think so. So uh, that's going to do it for the free agency portion of this episode. Now we will talk a little bit about one of your hot thoughts. You don't think edge is a lock at number one, despite Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, um, all the pundits, all of the uh, different, uh, all the different um, betting websites that you can uh, go and do these prop bets for the number one overall pick. All of them have Aiden Hutchinson as the favorite. So let's talk about the number one overall pick. Yeah. Yeah. Let's definitely do it. I don't know if that was me going and talking to, but I'll, I will. I, I don't think, I don't think you can lock it in yet. And I just think that everyone has gotten to the point in their own minds where it's just sat and it's locked in because look, I think the Jaguars are making moves, honestly, to – I'm not saying to move themselves away from having to take Aiden Hutchinson, but being able to keep their options open. The biggest thing that Aiden Hutchinson does for this defense, obviously, with you know bringing in another edge, another pass rush, another place to get some pass rush, is divert some of the attention away from Josh Allen, right? When you have a, a, a top edge rusher, a you know game-changing guy, we're talking about a game-breaker type of guy, they don't need the help. But when you have a guy like Josh Allen, who's above average, not great, but good, right? Double teams can be effective. Chip blocks can be effective. Things where you have to scheme for a specific guy can eliminate a guy like Josh Allen. Can you get that pressure elsewhere is the question, and I think yes. The signing of Fatu Kasi... I think definitely is something that we can look we can look at. It's not something that will solely change the current situation, but it adds another area of pressure. We have Dewan Smoot, who's also adding, you know, another piece to the puzzle in regards to getting pressure on the quarterback. Nothing's perfect. None of these are perfect. Yeah, and some people aren't going to want to admit it, but RRH is going to allow you to get some pressure as well. When he became healthy. Down the stretch, he started getting pressure up the middle. Right, and so in uh, RH, I, I I haven't seen a lot of Roy Robertson Harris. Like you mentioned, he he was healthy towards the end of the year. Not a guy that I spent a lot of time on in my mind when I'm trying to peg together this defense just because we haven't seen a lot of him. So whatever we get from him is like an added bonus, right? But then you talk about a guy like Rashawn Evans, who played a little bit outside in Tennessee originally. From what I've seen and what I've read from guys that are closer and know more about him, you know, the Tennessee, uh, you know, sports reporters, stuff like that. Some of them seem to think that he was better on the outside than he was on the inside. So I could add another layer to this. The Jaguars still have to, you know, go make other moves, but I don't think it has to be at number one. Can you take an edge guy in the second or third round and pair him up with Josh Allen and hope to get that kind of uh, production? Yes, you could. You'd have to draft properly, which the Jaguars haven't done. They've tried it, right? Jordan Smith, Caleb on chase on really haven't kind of brought in anything to the table. But again, I think there are glaring holes on the offensive line, mainly the right guard or left guard position and the right tackle position glaring holes. And I think that that's more important in regards to finding, you know, that guy at the top of the draft that's going to protect Trevor Lawrence and keep him standing up than it is to find 
a guy to create a two-headed monster at edge rusher. Having two premier edge rushers, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand what that does for a team. But our focus is with Trevor Lawrence right now. And, and if you're going to choose one way or the other, I think you have to go with what benefits Trevor. Yeah, I do agree. Just one more. If we were just talking about positions, when the Jaguars are who they are, they have Trevor Lawrence. They have to have him get better protection in 2022 than he did in 2021. Yes, and and long-term, just like locking up the protection. Yes, obviously, I think offensive tackle makes more sense. But for me, take that away. And Aiden Hutchinson still should not be the pick at number one. I strongly believe Evan Neal is a significantly better player than Aiden Hutchinson. There's no getting around it for me. I think he's the most dominant player in in this draft. I think he's going to protect Trevor Lawrence. He's going to pave the way for whoever's running the ball. If it's James Robinson or Travis Etienne, hopefully they are both able to return to health. If it's a rookie, if it's someone else, Evan Neal is going to help this team the most. He's going to help, in my opinion, Whichever team he goes to, he is going to help that team and raise their level of play more than anyone else in this draft. And if it's not Evan Neal, I think Kyle Hamilton is a is a better bet to do that than Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. And I'll tell you what, right now, I would be nervous if the Jaguars selected either Hutchinson or Thibodeau at one because I have their grades more in the top five to ten range versus number one overall pick type status. The only two guys I really see as that talent level are Evan Neal and Kyle Hamilton. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I would feel way more confident that those guys are going to come in and be absolute game changers. Uh, Thibodeau, he had a, a rough year with injuries. He still looked dominant at times, but he wasn't the same player you saw during his uh, freshman and sophomore years, in my opinion. And Aiden Hutchinson, he's kind of a freak. He's kind of a unicorn. He, there's not a lot of guys that have done it at his size. Like he's six foot seven and 260 pounds. It's just a strange build, uh, but he's got the short arms. So it's a strange build for me. And I, I think he's going to be a dominant run defender, no doubt about it. Is he going to be the elite edge rusher? I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a very good NFL player. I just don't know if he's going to, if you're going to feel good in five years about him being the number one overall pick. Yeah, I don't know about that either. And, and I mean, you see guys today, and when I say guys, I'm trying to think of exactly who it was. I think it was McShay who said that Aiden Hutchinson is closer to Joey Bosa than any of us realize. I call mm-hmm. I call I BS that. on that all day and twice on Sundays. He's not. He's not nearly as long. He's not nearly as strong. I, I don't understand the comparisons. And, and once you get closer to draft time, right, it's all about talk. It's all about talk. It's all about not only for the media guys creating, you know, the circus that is the NFL draft. Obviously, you need to hype that up and, and get guys, you know, not guys, but people to pay attention and, and get guys drafted. 
when have you ever seen a guy go from zero sacks to 14 sacks in a season? And I'm not saying in Hutchinson is not going to be good, but I agree with what you're saying. I, I'm more nervous about their ability to be consistent Pro Bowl players that I would if we would take a guy like Evan Neal. And not even necessarily Hamilton. I'm not I'm not against it. If Hamilton is the best player in the draft by far, and I said this the other day on Twitter talking with somebody, then take him. Absolutely take him. But you better be damn sure because you're taking a safety number one overall. And if yeah. he's not, they just don't add I will say, value. I, they just don't add value. I will say this. Even though I'm more confident in Kyle Hamilton's ability to be a consistent Pro Bowl player than Hutchinson or Thibodeau, I would still probably take one of those two edge rushers over Hamilton because safety is one of the most devalued positions in football from a money standpoint. And you can get good safety play on the free agent market every year to Ron Matthew for crying out loud is a free agent right now. Still to this day, well, he is, he is 30 safety. is just, I'm just telling you, you can get quality safety play on the free agent market every single year, and you can get it for much cheaper than you can get edge play. Yeah. And even more important, that edge is boomer bust. Now, obviously, I get all this business of boomer bust, and the guys are going to be really good or really bad, but I feel like you have a, a better chance with an offensive lineman to kind of be comfortable and, and be less of a needle mover one way or the other, especially when you know in a, in a bad way at the top of the draft than you do with an edge mm-hmm. guy. You take an edge guy number one overall, it's either going to define you or crush you. I mean, think about the guys who have been taking edge number one overall in the past. The first two that immediately come to mind, you know, at least in, in our time, are Mario Williams and Miles Garrett. Jadavion on Clowney, right? And where did that end up? He was not even near the player that he was in South Carolina. But, I mean, you probably see the same thing about tackles, too. I know, obviously, the Eric Fisher... And Luke Jokel year, and I think there was one other one that year too, wasn't there? Later down the draft, I don't remember. Play- but obviously, Eric Fisher ended up being okay. Much and nobody buried the Chiefs, for right? Him. Right, absolutely. No, no, he, he did. He wasn't. I don't think number one overall pick worthy when it's all said and done. No, but Eric Fisher's career versus Javion Clowney's career. In regards to expectation versus reality, offensive linemen are, are much safer at the top of the draft. It's not even the main point here. Again, it's just still that there are glaring holes in the offensive line. And, and if you ask me, it would be fantastic to have two dominant edge rushers. But if I can't keep my quarterback up off the ground, I'm probably still not winning very many games. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe they are working out something long term for Cam Robinson. I wouldn't. Again, I would try to upgrade instead of make lateral moves at the tackle spots where they, in my opinion, both had their fair share of struggles Yeah, uh, at those tackle spots. So, and that's just talking about positions uh, in terms of needs. Evan Neal is far and away the best player for me in this class. I cannot hammer that home enough. I think he's going to be dominant for a long, long time in the NFL. And uh, I hope that Aiden Hutchinson, if he comes in, he can kind of, Use his unique skill set because I do think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I I don't think the Jaguars are making moves that indicate they're not going to take Aiden Hutchinson. I think they are going to take him. And 
I think we're going to have to live with the results and hopefully they're good. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good player. Is he going to be a guy that you were happy you took at number one overall in five years? It remains to be seen. And I think there are questions about his skill set. Yeah. In terms of being that number one overall pick, not in terms of being a top 10 pick, but that number one overall guy, you have to get a pro bowler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line was every, every decision the Jaguars have made up to this point, point towards Aiden Hutchinson. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. The hot thought is you can't guarantee him yet at number one. That's the bottom line. And obviously everything, you can't guarantee anything until it actually happens. Right. I get mm-hmm. that, but but you know the steam starts to pick up and, and people start to, you know, kind of get an idea of where they're going. And I agree, I agree that that that's where everything's looking. But we can't rule out more moves between now and then on both the defense and the offense. And truthfully, and like you said, or like I said, <laughs> until the day of, until it actually happens, who knows what's going to go on? Yeah, yeah. Some some team might get a wild hair and just try to trade up for Malik yeah. Willis. After that pro day, hey man, if, it's, if 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 the <laughs> pro day throws do anything for the quarterback market that they did last year, oh man, the calls should be flooding in. And I mean, that brings me to my second thought: hot with 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 the Falcons moving Matt Ryan this week, they're legitimate trade up partners. Now, I saw some absolute BS earlier. I think this morning, someone it looked like it was just a random person tweeted the, you know, would you take Kyle Pitts? for the number one overall pick and Twitter had a field day with it all day. I think we both are in agreement that that's not even a, a relative or remotely realistic topic to discuss. However, no, because I don't know why the Falcons, would right? That. There's not a quarterback. I don't think this is, this is for, for really any team, right? There's not a quarterback worth trading up the number one for absolutely is not, especially if you're in that top 10. But if there's any position that can make teams desperate, to make moves, it's the quarterback position. These GMs, these coaches don't have five, six years anymore. You know, you can't wait till next year to, to find the next prospect. Somebody's going to get desperate. Somebody's going to take a shot. Yeah, and I will say this. I, Malik Willis is easily my number one quarterback this year. I would not be trading up for any of these quarterbacks. But if I had to hitch my wagon to one guy, Malik Willis does not have any physical limitations as a quarterback outside of only being six feet tall. He can do everything on the football field. You need to develop uh, quite a bit of his game and refine a lot of a lot of what he does. But he has superstar potential all over him. Yeah, he does absolutely, and 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 he is is definitely boosting his draft draft stock through the combine through the workouts through his his physical ability but just want to touch on something real quick Matt Rule um mm-hmm. oh I can't think of his name who's the GM in Atlanta do you Fontenot oh, no. Matt Rule Fontenot and Brian Dable these are the three guys that I think Dable a little bit less because it is his first year, but it's still New York. These are the guys that are fighting for their job right now. And I think that, that that's going to say something. Matt Rule has is, is got to be on thin ice in Carolina, right? And and I think they need a quarterback. I thought it was Sam Darnold, but they need a quarterback. I'm not saying that they're moving up to one. I'm just saying I, I'm looking for these teams to take that early shot on Malik Willis because prior to all of this, I mean, he was mocked 
first of all, when everything came out, he was mocked, you know, he wasn't even mocked first round. Then it was late first round. Then it was mid first round. Now it's starting to inch up even, even closer to the top of the draft. I think, I don't think he makes it out of the top 10. Definitely not out of the top 15. I mean, you're seeing people mock him to number two, all the way up at number two. Uh, That's the so one bad thing. We'll the Jaguars hold no leverage in regards to, they're not picking a quarterback, right? So I'm sure most teams will probably try blow them, but right. yeah, I, I heard a little bit rumbling about Detroit potentially looking to take a quarterback. The only leverage is if the if the Lions start. Yep, talking about wanting to take Malik. That's Willis, what I'm saying. I, I don't know which, if I believe that necessarily. I don't. I don't know. I I personally, Jared Goff's expensive, but is he worth just giving up a number two for a guy like Malik Willis? I don't know. But if the talk does heat up and it does start to gain traction. The Jaguars then become the only team that you could jump the Lions for. Right. So I wouldn't expect it to happen, but, you know, the way things have been trending, Malik Willis is trending up big time. So <laughs> it could get wild here down the stretch. We've got just a little over a month to the NFL draft. That is going to do it for the show today, Duval. Jeremy, I appreciate you, as always. Had a great conversation. Appreciate all the listeners. Hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week. And go Jags. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.